but inflation is a disease of money caused by government and always takes longer to go away than anybody ever thinks. Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to this week in review with Nigel Farage. Nigel, welcome back from your trip overseas. Did you learn anything of interest while you were in the US? I did. I learned that their electoral system is on a par with perhaps the most corrupt third world country. I mean, they're still counting. (laughs) They're still counting. How is it that India, right, which have got over a billion people, have general elections and get a result within four hours, right? We've got districts in California with a total population of three quarters of a million. And a week on, we haven't got the result. It is an absolute farce. Now, I know that in America, it's a long ballot paper because there are various local referendums, etc. But even if the system isn't corrupt, it looks it. It looks it. And this isn't just Republicans. There's a large number of Democrats really, really genuinely worried about the integrity of the electoral system. I'm not being a bad loser or anything. I'm just telling you how I feel about it and how I know many others feel about it. Um, early voting, early voting, postal voting, call it what you want, is a fast. One quick example. In Pennsylvania, the postal ballots went out in the third week of September. All right. By the time the debate happened between the two Senate candidates, over one third of the electorate had voted. It then became clear that the Democrat candidate, John Fetterman, poor chap, had had a horrible stroke back in May. And frankly, I don't want to be horrible, but it was obvious in the debate he could barely string a few words together. Now, how can it be right that you're voting without having seen the candidate, seen the platform, it's a nonsense and it needs wholesale reform. To be fair to Ron DeSantis in Florida, he did clear things up. You know, he got the dead people off the register, what's known as the Irish vote up in Boston. <laughs> you know, he got them off the register, um, made ballot harvesting a criminal offence. So America has a lot of work to do. And this matters because the reason we have democracy is we can get peaceful change. If we don't believe peaceful change is attainable well we'll do other things yeah it's about losers consent and the dangers of losing losers consent um let's move on to the the financial news of the week the big story is uk inflation came in at a 41 year year high of 11.1 percent food and energy being the key components that rose which is really bad news and i saw an interesting story about how the inflation rate for the lower income um quintile is much higher than for the higher income quintiles do you think this is the peak of inflation in the US inflation has come down a bit or do you think things are going to get even worse over winter well let's um let's just rationalize that number for a moment inflation is 14 percent you know we've always for decades used the retail price index not the CPI you know a Gordon Brown con frankly so in historical terms, we're at 14%. You're quite right. I mean, the lower paid people spend a much higher proportion of their money on food. You know, it's, it's, it's fairly obvious. How, I don't know how many times uh, you and I have said this, but inflation is a disease of money 
caused by government and always takes longer to go away than anybody ever thinks. The Americans, of course, to some extent, have exported inflation to us. Um, this is not an outright anti-American comment, but that's what the Fed did. The Fed aggressively put up rates to try to dampen down US inflation. In doing so, boosted the dollar, and we're a big importer of foodstuffs, energy stuffs in this country. So, so to some extent, we've got a bit of the inflation that would have been in America uh, that's been exported over here to us. I can't predict what will happen to energy prices over the winter. I don't know. Uh, strangely, a lot of that depends on the weather, believe it or not. You know, if Northern Europe gets a very cold winter, then there's going to be a heck of a squeeze on gas prices. But the converse is true if it stays as mild as it currently is. I have a feeling that we've not seen the worst of it yet. What interests me about it is all these debates about what inflation is and what causes inflation, the fact that it's a disease of money. I yeah. thought all that was settled long ago, but the central banks seem to be engaging in more and more denialism as time goes on. We had the ECB president, Christine Lagarde, say inflation came out of nowhere. We had Bank of England chief economist saying that the monetary policy stance of the Bank of England may have contributed to some of the inflation. There's a couple of other examples I can't think of off the top of my head, but the, the rate of denial is getting worse and more and more ridiculous as the inflation goes on. Where is that going? Well, yes, and I mean, you know, Carney making some of the most ludicrous comments about Brexit over the course of the last couple of weeks, and you wonder where the hell have these guys come from. It's that same dearth of talent that we see in politics as well, and they're kind of interchangeable. People like Lagarde are in politics, then they're in central banks. Uh, yeah, um, we learn all the painful lessons about inflation, about the cause of it, about the, about the cure, not always very pleasant cure, the, the, the medicine doesn't taste great, I thought we'd learned it all back in the 80s. We're having to relearn it all again. Just the West is going through this period of a profound lack of statesmen and stateswomen and leadership right across the board. Speaking of which, we are recording this about an hour and a half before the autumn statement is released. Now, that means we don't know the specifics, but I think I want to address the theme anyway. And the theme seems to be a return to austerity, which came out of nowhere. So I'm very curious what you think well, of that. 55 days ago, Kwasi Kwarteng put before us one of the biggest tax cutting budgets you've ever seen in an effort with a promise of supply side reform in an effort to boost growth. Now, what is being proposed are some very big tax hikes, a clamping down on small business, virtually a war against small business, and a promise of spending cuts, which may or may not materialize. Um, it is regressive. It is a very odd thing to do as the economy is tipping into recession. I, I of course, <clears throat> we have to reduce government waste. Of course, we have to reduce government spending. But what you're gonna see in an hour and a half is all benefits going up, go, going up in line with inflation and the working population, the diminishing working population. There's no unemployment. We've succeeded. No, 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 no. There's 5.4 million people of working age not working. Two and a half million of them signed off by a GP as being sick. Well, maybe they are all sick. I don't believe it personally. So what you've got is the burden on the working population getting bigger and bigger and bigger 
subsidizing those who are either retired, ill, or who choose not to work. If that sounds a bit too simple, well, that's how I see it. And I think the big danger is that we will see a deeper recession as a result of what Hunt's trying to do. It is treasury orthodoxy. It is the globalist community. You know, they actually want the state to be bigger. And therefore, to pay for that, we have to have more taxation. I, I, I find it profoundly depressing that George Osborne is in and out of number 11 two or three times a week. That we've gone back to that type of economics that led us to low growth and low productivity, the two joint British economic diseases before inflation came along. So now it's all three. So, yeah, I think it's very, very bad news. I just want to mention that theoretically, at least, it should bring down inflation, which which is good news. But um, what I find yes, fascinating about... but Yes, I mean, if you, yeah, if, 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 if your policies lead to economic contraction, then that will bring down inflation. But then you have to work out what the cost on the other side of that is. And I think I would counter that by saying that, yes, you can reduce inflation. Yes, you can increase interest rates. You can do all of those things to dampen down inflation. But to come out with a message, and, we, and I, I expect we're going to hear more on company taxes, you know, super taxes on various sectors, um, to launch an anti-business budget, which is what it is, to not even contemplate supply-side reform, to go back to IR35 rules, which, I mean, so many independent contractors just say, do you know what, I can't be bothered. I just can't be bothered. Um, that is the wrong message. That is the wrong message. This government now doesn't have a reforming bone in its body. It ain't going re to reform the NHS. It isn't going to reform regulation, which we could do post-Brexit. No, it is profoundly depressing. And austerity doesn't work if you don't do those reforms. But the, the, the angle that I wanted to focus on, which makes this interesting to me, is that if the UK diverges from the rest of the world, which is also experiencing an inflation problem by engaging in austerity, then we might get inflation under control before other countries do, um, which would be very interesting for the currency markets. Um, but let's move on. Let's focus on uh, something that you and I are both quite passionate about, which is China. Um, and I've seen some headlines that Rishi Sunak has sort of gone soft on China. Oh. And I don't know what the details of it are, uh, but I bet you do, because I know you follow this uh, very close. Yes. I am standing before you, the Conservative Party membership, to ask you to vote for me to become Prime Minister. Well, he lost the vote, but he's still Prime Minister. Work that out. But yes, China is a threat. The greatest threat of this century to our economy and our democracy. Now he's in number 10, and he's off at the G20. No, 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 no. no, no. We have to work with China collectively to deal with global problems. And the word threat has been replaced by the word challenge. Interestingly, Anthony Albanese from Australia, their prime minister, within 24 hours of Sunak saying that, softened America's line on China. And of course, Joe Biden, Beijing Biden, as they jokingly called him in the election campaign, has very much cuddled up. So look, you know, there are those that tell you there's no global conspiracy, but it's, isn't it odd? that they all get together and they all go soft on China at exactly the same time. And what you've got with Sunak um, 
I was asked last night on a phone call with an American friend of mine who lives in Florida. So you can guess if you like who it is. And I was asked <coughs> what I made of the new British Prime Minister. And I said, he's our first Goldman Sachs Prime Minister. Sorry, Nick. He, I said, he is high tax, big state, and pro the Chinese Communist Party. And that is how I see Sunak. Interestingly, the Labour Party are positioned in almost identical ways on every one of the major policies. We have gone back to the sort of 2012 politics before the, the whole sort of UKIP Brexit revolution uh, with no choice, centre left, social big state social democrat parties. And you know, despite that we'll muddle through and despite that we'll probably do better than many of our neighbours in Europe who are in even worse trouble than we are. I just, I just see the whole thing as a lot as, as a, a loss of opportunity, frankly. Yeah, it's um, it's quite boring, isn't it? <laughs> really. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. Uh, you know, and 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 there's not an ounce of personality or flair or inspiration or leadership or courage in any of them. Um, at least they haven't had a stroke. But um, let's move on to this solar energy story, which um. I don't know what to make of it, if it's sort of a symptom of something deeper or if it's just a one-off story, but I think it's the well, UK's largest solar energy company. It's gone bust owing about £655 million pounds to a local or local government uh, council. Uh, I, I don't know what is more bizarre out of that whole story, but um, especially given that energy prices are so high. Um, do you think this is a sign of something more meaningful or is it just a, another solar energy company going bust? This isn't the first time. Uh, the whole renewable market is full of scams. Some may have forgotten that three years ago, the government in Northern Ireland was brought down by a biofuel scam. And now we have the, 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 the rate payers of Thurrock and the national taxpayer who will come in in the end, losing another 655 million. I mean, you know, if clean energy works, if it can work without subsidy, if it can work without scams, if it can operate in the free market and contribute towards our electricity demand, that is absolutely fine. But given that the energy that it gives us has this deadly intermittency, I question the whole thing. And it's inappropriate to even ask any questions, isn't it, Nigel? That's already well, of put course, you if you ask any questions, you are a denier and you want to destroy the world and you'll have 19-year-old girls getting up on gantries over the M25 saying, you've taken my future away, we're all going to die. You, 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 we just cannot have rational debate. By the way, there's no question that on a local level, you know, you put solar panels on your roof, you will get some hot water for it. Not cheap hot water, but you get some. So there are ways we can use this, but you can't power a national grid in a country of 70 million people if you're relying for over 25% of your energy on an average day to come from renewables. And that's where we got ourselves to. That's why we're vulnerable. That's why the national grid are warning us that in February, the lights may go out between four o'clock and seven o'clock in the evening. Let's finish on some World Cup predictions. What do you make of the group stages? Well, I think we've got a very good draw. Um, I'm with Sir Jeff Hurst tomorrow, the hero of 66. I've not met him before. I'm looking forward to that very much indeed. Only three or four of that England side, of course, still alive. And some of those that are with dementia, that clearly the heading of the ball in the old days was, was very, very bad news. I, the money's, the punters are backing Brazil. 
I think Argentina offer better value for money in the market. I've been studying this. But, you know, Iran, the USA, Wales, I think we've been very fortunate with the group that we get. I think we'll go through. I think we'll have a run. I think we'll get to the semi-final. Whether we get beyond that, I'm not sure. But I do think one thing that Southgate, and he obviously made a terrible mess of the final at Wembley of the Euros last year. I was, I was there for that. But I do think one thing that Southgate has done is to bring a level of continuity to the English football team. And you kind of get a feeling that you have 11 men on the pitch playing as a team rather than individual superstars, which kind of was the Alf Ramsey formula. You know, Ramsey could have picked more talented players, perhaps, in 66, but he wanted a team. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it very much indeed. I wish it wasn't in Qatar. Uh, FIFA is the only organisation in the world that makes the EU not, look not corrupt. Um, but I think it's going to be a good tournament nonetheless. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to a good run. I've got the Japanese in-laws in the house for the Germany versus Japan game in a few weeks time. So uh, things are going to get interesting. Uh, if you don't hear from me for a few weeks, you know why. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for watching.